so good on the coffee this morning. Well, we uh, begin this morning um, with a new, a new study, a new look. Uh, we're calling it The Way of Jesus, and we're going to get into that here in just a minute, uh, what, all that, what all that means, why that phrase, um, why, that's, why that's significant, why that's important. Um, but as we start today, um, as, as many of you guys have already said this morning, uh, we started a new year, right, 2020, and so as we, as we think about the new year, right, um, there's a lot of things that come to our mind. There's, there's hope, there's excitement, as Holly said a minute ago, there may be some anxiety and some worry, there may be joy, there may be um, optimism and expectation for the new year. Um, and one of the things that we like to do this time of year um, inevitably, as we begin a new year, is we like to make these things called what? Resolutions, resolutions right? So I'm not going to ask you what your resolutions are, but by show of hands, right? How many of you guys have made somewhat of a res- idea of a resolution, or at least thought about, okay, for next year, here's something that I may want to accomplish? Okay, so about half the group. Um, and I used to, for a long time, I was in the camp of like, forget New Year's resolutions, right? Like, it's just something that I'm not going to live up to, and it's going to be this big disappointment. So if I don't make them, then I don't have to feel bad about them. Um, but in recent years, I've realized that um, there is something significant about thinking through your next year. There's something important about thinking through the things that you want to accomplish, right? Uh, as one person said it, uh, if you don't ever think about your goal, then you'll never achieve it, right? 100% chance that you'll never achieve it, right? And so there's value in thinking about what we want our resolutions, what we want this new year to bring for us. Um, and, and as I was thinking about it this year, um, I started thinking about that in relation to my, to my walk with Jesus, right? As, as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, as a believer, um, I started thinking about what is my goal this year? And, and I started thinking about all the years past that, that I've thought about all these resolutions of things that I've wanted to do, get in, get in shape, eat better, you know, all of these, these goals that we have. But how many times do I think about my walk with Jesus and what is my plan for the next year? What is my goal in my following after Jesus of Nazareth? What is my, what, what am I trying to reach towards? Um, and as I was thinking about this, that this week, I was encouraged by some words that the Apostle Paul wrote um, to the church in Philippi. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul says this. He says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. I forget about what lies behind, and I strain toward what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, as those that have put our lives and invested our trust and our hope and our future in Jesus Christ, our resolution every year should really be the same. It should be to grow more and more like Jesus. That's the goal. That's the, that's the prize of the upward calling of God is to, to be like Christ, to be like Jesus, right? And in the Bible, we have a, have a term for that, right? And the term is disciple, Right? It's, it's, it's what Jesus has, has called his followers to be. It's, it's not a new term for most of us, right? But I believe it's a term that we really haven't or don't see lived out well in our world today. Um, I feel like maybe it's a, it's a phrase that we, that we throw out, but we don't often use it. Um, and also, as, as I think about the, the year past, as I think about 2019, and I think about what God has spoke to us as a church about, right? What I feel like God has, has said um, through individuals within the church, uh, what I feel like I've heard people say, God has really been laying on my heart this year, it's also been this idea of discipleship. I feel like that, that word being a disciple and making a disciple is really what God has, has put on our hearts as a church body. Um, and so, and so as, as a church, um, we, we started actually today, we celebrate one year meeting together in this space. So that's pretty exciting, right? Like one year we, we did it. We made it through the one year mark. Um, and so I feel like if, if, you know, if you have a kid, it's like at the point of like, okay, this year we get to walk as an infant church, right? We get to start making some new steps and we start to grow and to do some different things. Right. And we made it through that one year mark, um, 
but but kind of going back in history, as we as we started as a church, right? Uh, we developed these statements that we would have about who we are as a church. Um, we developed a mission statement, right? That's kind of the means through which we want to accomplish our vision, right? Who can tell us what our mission statement is? I hope that I'm not going to be embarrassed this morning. But somebody can please tell us what our mission statement is as a church. Can anybody tell us? We can work it together if you can't. Bring rescue and restoration oh. to the people of Franklin County. Yes. How it warms my heart that you guys got those words. I was just ingraining those. Um, right? That, that we want to be about how are we going to reach our community? How are we going to accomplish the mission that Jesus has given us? We're going to bring rescue and restoration that we find in the gospel. That's what the gospel is all about. It's about rescuing lives and restoring lives back to God, restoring relationships back to God. And we want to take that message and we want to take it to our community. That's the, the mission. That's the reason that we're here as a church, right? But our vision statement, um, the vision statement is really just a picture of what you want, what you see this local body to be, right? What is our, what is our, what is our goal as a church? What is our purpose and goal uh, as a group of individuals that meet together in Franklin County? We call ourselves Bedrock Church in Franklin County, right? What's that? And, and as we got started, we really just kind of adopted a vision statement from our planting church. And there was nothing wrong with that. In fact, it was a really good statement. It was really helpful. Um, probably most of you guys have no idea what it is. If you check on our website, it's there, right? Um, but we just kind of adopted it. And it was that... Um, now I got to think about what it was. Um, that we were going to rebuild our lives on the bedrock foundation of Jesus, right? And that's a that's a fantastic statement, um, and and I think it's true, and all of that. But the more I started thinking about the vision of this church and what God has said to us, and as we've been together now for two years, one year meeting at homes, and then now another year meeting together, what I feel like God has has been saying to us is that. We need to be disciples, and we need to be making disciples. That's really not my language. I got that right out of the New Testament. So, um, but Jesus is really generous with letting us like share His words. So that was an original thought. Um, but that's that's the vision I see and I hope for as a church. I feel like that's what God has been speaking to us as a church that we need to be about. Is that we need to be and to make disciples of Jesus. And I know as you look at that, it may just seem like man, that's a really simple statement, and that's intentional. I want it simple because I want us to be able to memorize it. I want us to, to know what the vision of a church is because as you're talking with people and you're interacting with people and they tell me and they ask you, like, tell me what your church is all about, right? That we can tell them, look, we're a church that wants to be about being disciples ourselves and then making disciples, right? That's what we want to be as a church. That's the goal. That's the vision. And so um, I want it to be really simple and easy for us to, to know and to, to remember, right? And so our, our mission stays the same. The way that, that we're going to bring people in to the love and relationship of Jesus is through the gospel. It's through the good news of Jesus. But as a church, our vision, our big picture of what we want to be about and who we are is to be a group of disciples that are then making more disciples of Jesus. That's our, that's our hope. That's our ambition for, uh, for the church going forward. Um, it's important as we looked at that statement, and I think this is sometimes um, maybe where we get it off a little bit, is that it's important that we first must be disciples before we can make disciples. Um, and just being really honest and transparent, I feel like as a church body, maybe this has been an area that maybe we've missed the mark just a little bit for some of us, right? I feel like some of us have felt the compulsion, we felt the urge to go out and make disciples, and that's a great thing. That's an important thing. That's what Jesus calls us to do. But if we're not first being disciples ourselves, it's really going to limit the ability we have to make disciples. If we go out and we try to, to make something and we're not first that thing, it's going to be really hard for us to do that. See, the picture that Jesus gives us is that you would first become a disciple and then you're just going to basically multiply. You're going to just reproduce what you already are. Um, and we're going to talk more about that here in just a minute. And I think we see this even in Jesus' life and his ministry as he talks and, and calls disciples. And if we follow very carefully the wording of what he says, I think he says the exact same thing. And so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 
through 20. It's a very familiar passage. Um, it's, in, it's in multiple of the, the gospel accounts. Uh, I just chose Mark because I like how succinct and right to the point Mark is on things. Um, and before we get here, one other thing I wanted to, to let you guys know about that we're working on as a church. Um, so this is a little like little timeout sidebar before we get to Mark. Um, I know for a lot of us, um, we use our smartphones. Um, and I've kind of got to the place of realizing like that's just part of our world. That's just part of our culture. And so we can, for, for whatever reason, we can either push against that and say, no, smartphones ever. Or we can say, let's take this technology and let's see if we can maybe use this. Uh, in some really helpful ways. And so one of those ways that we can use that technology, um, for most of us that use our, our phones, especially if we're reading the Bible, um, there's multiple apps on there, but one of those, probably the most popular one, is called the Bible app. Um, it's put out by Uversion. If you guys are familiar with that, if you have that on your phone, um, they introduced a new, um, like a new technology on there called Events. Um, and basically what that allows us to do is as a church on Sunday morning, um, I can upload all of the notes for Sunday morning, all the messages, also all of upcoming announcements and things like that um, as well. Um, and so I see some excitement in some faces, and I see some confusion in some faces, and that's okay. Um, don't feel like this is putting this on you. We're still going to produce everything um, to everybody in the way that you need that. So we'll still have written uh, information. We'll still have it up here on the screen. But if you have your smartphone, if that's kind of the way that you use that, and you log on to the Uversion app, um, and it loads on your phone, um, and you go over, there's a tab on the bottom that says more, and there's a, about the third one down the list is something that's called events, and it'll actually search by location, and if you look, you'll see on there, today live, Bedrock Church, Franklin County, the Way of Jesus intro, and if you click on that, okay, uh, and if you don't have a smartphone, <coughs> like, that's cool. Um, just kind of tune me out for 30 more seconds, right? Um, but as you scroll through that, um, it's going to have, each week, it's going to give you information. So we have a link on there about our life groups if you want more information about that. There's a link on there to give online. I know sometimes uh, we get on Sunday mornings, especially for me, and you forget, oh, I forgot my check at home, whatever you can give right online right there. Um, and then there's an outline for the message. And so first thing you see on there is our vision statement we're talking about. And then you have the Bible passages, um, discussion questions, all of that. And then for this series at the end, uh, there's going to be a practice of the week, something we want to walk away with. And, and I'm going to upload that on there as well um, in this. And you can save this so that later you can come back and look at that. Um, and so I just wanted to, I, I felt like that's a really helpful tool, especially for those that are already going to be using their phone to, to read the Bible. Um, it gives you some outlines, it gives you some scriptures that we're going to be in, and it helps you. You can also take notes on there. Um, you can add notes to the different sections on there on the Bible outline. So just want to let you know, we're going to start making that available for anybody that wants to use that. Um, if not, we're still going to have it on the screen. We obviously still have Bibles in the back. Um, and so whatever, whatever means that you want to use for that, um, we just want to let you know that those are available. Um, so let's get back to Mark chapter 1, though. So whether you're on your phone or whether you're up here with us or whether you have a, uh, some paper in front of you, right, a copy of God's Word in that, in that form. Uh, Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 16. This is what the Word of God says. It says, Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servant and followed him. I love this passage. I love the second story in there, right? I love how James and, and John just leave their dad in the boat. Um, I just, I love that when I read that, I just think like, man, I hope my boys, like, I hope that they follow Jesus in that way. Um, but I love just this, this raw, um, I don't care about what happens. I'm going to follow this, this rabbi, this, this, this Jesus of Nazareth, no matter what it costs me. I love that picture we get in this story, right? But if you, if you look carefully at what Jesus says to them, Right? What is the first thing he says to them? He says, follow me, and then I will make you fishers of men. I feel like a lot of times 
um, we skip that part sometimes, and we just try to go out. And so we have this, we have this moment in our walk with Jesus, uh, this initial moment of faith. We put our faith and trust in Jesus, right? And uh, which is which is which is so so important. Um, and then we just kind of jump to this moment of okay, I need to go out and make more disciples. And yes, that's part of it. But we we miss this this important forming part of who we are when Jesus says, "Follow me." right? Walk with me, be with me, spend time with me, and then I'm going to produce in you, I'm going to make in you disciple makers, right? But I don't think Jesus ever meant disciple making apart from discipleship personally, right? I think we first must follow Jesus before we go and make other disciples. And so what I want to do right now is I want to pause in this for a second, and I want us to have just a couple minutes of discussion, right? Um, what does the term, what, does, what is the word disciple, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a disciple? We hear that a lot in our, in our world, especially if you have been in the church for many years. You've heard that word probably thrown around in a lot of different ways to mean a whole lot of different things. Um, but, but just talk for a minute, uh, maybe get in groups of three or four people around you, um, and just talk for a minute. What is that word disciple? What, is that, what does that mean? Um, and maybe even what have you heard that word mean, or how have you heard that word used in the past? And then we'll come back together um, and kind of dive into this idea of a disciple. Okay, so let's take a couple minutes and do that together, and then we'll come back uh, together and discuss it uh, in just a minute. Okay. So... What are some of the phrases, what are some of the things that came out in your discussions of a disciple? What does it mean to be a, a disciple? Babylon. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, right off of the spelling. <laughs> like, not even a real word. Nope. 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 How is it? <laughs> no, 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 no hyphens. No hyphens. You were, you were going good, though. The sad part is that you guys know the correct spelling of this. W-A-N? Yeah. W-A-N, yeah. Okay. That's great. That's a great. I love this one right here. Um, I don't know what that means. We'll, we'll, we will. We will. You will be a disciple in the ways of the Padawan. Yes. You're already. We're going to start the discipleship process this morning uh, with a Padawan. So we'll get to Padawan. It's a Star Wars. Uh, if I can explain a little bit with what I was going to say anyway, it's to be like whoever you're following after. So okay. the Padawans are trying to be like the Jedi, like the Master. Yeah. Okay. Um, there are amazing Star Wars references. Okay, um, so Padawan, what else? I went to Young Life, so I was just going to say a follower of Jesus. Follower. Okay. Okay. Apprentice. Apprentice. Student. Student. Okay. Anything else? At least in our in our term of disciple, I feel like teacher goes well as teacher. well goes with it as well. Teacher, student, there's a relationship piece involved in that, right? All right, cool. So let me just start out with uh, what I'm really glad that I didn't see up on the word on the board is nobody said the word Christian, hmm. and I say that I like that because I feel like that term Christian has really. In our culture, right, I think it's a great term, but in our culture, it has taken on this whole plethora of meanings that is really not helpful in our discussion of what it means to be a disciple. Um, we're probably all aware that a Christian can mean anything from somebody who just casually attends church all the way over to someone who has completely devoted their life to following Jesus, willing to go and lay down their life for the sake of the gospel, right? And there's this whole range of meanings. Um, and so it's, it really doesn't become a helpful term for us. It's really not the most biblical term either. Uh, it's only used about three times actually in the, in, the gospel, in, the, in the Bible, in the New Testament. And all those are kind of in negative terms. Uh, it was actually a phrase that was used to look down on those followers of Jesus. But the word that has been used the most is that word disciple. It's used like 268 times. Right? So you think about that. That's, you guys are definitely moving in the right direction. So I love that, that picture. That tells me that we've done some work together to, to start to form our understanding of what a disciple is. Um, and so, so let me start with this one right here, follower of Jesus. Um, I love that term. I feel like that term is going the way of Christian in our culture anymore. And the reason I feel that way 
is because I think when a lot of people define follower of Jesus, they think it's the same thing as me following somebody, say, on a social media platform, uh, following a celebrity, right? It's this idea that I know everything about them, I know what they do, I know their interest, but I don't actually have a relationship. And really, when the rubber hits the road, that person doesn't really have that place in my life. That person, whoever that celebrity or person is that I'm following, in the moment may not have that authority in my life. Um, what we do a lot of times is we say, yes, we will follow Jesus as long as it's convenient for us. I'm going to do me, and I'm going to do what's great for me. And if Jesus' advice comes along and helps that out, then I'm all for it, right? I will post it and repost it. I will tell people about it, right? And that's kind of our version of what it means to follow Jesus. But when, 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 when Jesus calls his disciples to follow him, right, there's no place for it's my way, right? But it's, it's all about what he is calling us to do. And so for that reason, I think that the term, I like, I love the term apprentice, um, which is, which is uh, basically, and then Padawan, which is the Star Wars version of saying the same thing, uh, but just way cooler, um, if I can interject that in there, right? But the idea of an apprentice, right? If you think about uh, apprentice, and we still have apprenticeships in our culture today, um, and, and I don't feel like they have gotten corrupted the way that some of these other uh, phrases have. Right, so especially like in the trade industry, right? There's a really big emphasis on apprenticeship, and so say that you want to become a master plumber, you want to become a master electrician, right? All of these 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 skilled jobs that that you need, right? There's usually an apprenticeship process in that, and that's usually a multiple year apprenticeship process. And so what that looks like is that you go and you follow someone who already knows how to do that skill, and you follow them to the job and you see how they do whatever that skill is. You watch them wire a house multiple times, right? And somewhere along in that process, then you start to wire the, that along with them. And then the goal is by the end of that apprenticeship that you are then the one that is wiring that house and they're just kind of watching to make sure that, uh, that you get it right. So I love that idea of apprenticeship. I love to say that we should be apprentices of Jesus, that we should be Padawans of Jesus, right? Um, like Jesus is our master. He's the one that we're following. And it's not, you know, on day one, that apprentice doesn't show up to, to that electrician, that master electrician and say, you know what? I got it today. You know what? I will wire this house and I got this. You can just go home, chill out, whatever. Uh, I'll be done in a couple of hours, right? Now, some of us, we probably felt like we've had those people wire our house before, right? Um, but what would happen? What would happen if somebody showed up for the first day on the job and wired a house? What's going to happen, Tom? No, they're going to have to call the Houston brothers back in there to spray some more foam, right? Because they're probably going to burn that house down, right? Um, there's, there's a process of following that master, that skilled tradesman along and learning what they're doing. Um, Dallas Willard, I, I love uh, Dallas Willard. If you're not familiar, Dallas Willard is a Christian, was a Christian philosopher. He passed away a few years ago. Um, he's one of those guys that, honestly, I have to read and then go back and reread, and then reread and reread a couple of times. But then once I try, finally figure it out, he has so many insightful uh, and helpful uh, quotes and, and thoughts in the area of discipleship. Here's one of the things he says, though, and, and I, I think this is really important for us. He says, the greatest issue facing the world today. So think about that, right? Think about our world. Think about all the issues facing our world. And Willard says, the greatest issue that's facing our world today is this with all of its heartbreaking needs, with everything that's going on, is whether those who by profession or culture are identified as Christians, right, will become disciples. It's those that, that put on the name Christian, that put on the name follower of Jesus, if they will actually become disciples, students, apprentices, and practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of the heavens into every corner of human existence. All right, let me give you the, the real simple version of that, right? It's whether Christians are actually going to become disciples and then to put Jesus on display in the world around them, right? That's the, that's the greatest thing. Uh, and, I, and I agree with Willard here that, that if, if we as followers of Jesus would do this and we would truly start to follow Jesus, that's going to transform our entire world, Right? That's going to actually be the change that all of us are hoping for in our world. 
It's not going to just be by us coming to church on a Sunday morning. While that's important and that's valuable and that should add to that, it's not going to it's not going to even just happen from us posting Christian sayings and Bible verses on social media or talking with our friends about it, right? It's going to start with us actually living this out, with us first becoming disciples and then going out and making disciples. And, and just to be honest this morning, like this is what I want for us as a church. This is what I want for, for my life personally, right? I've, I've kind of gotten in this place in the last couple of of months am I am I following Jesus and, and studying Jesus? I, I've really got to this place in my life where I'm just I'm just really tired of pretending and just kind of saying yeah I'm a Christian but not truly following Jesus. I'm ready for something genuine, and my heart is that my heart inside my heart I believe that that's where you are at as the church as well, right? From conversations with people and and talking with people, I feel like we're all in this place where we're saying you know what we want this. We're ready for this genuine relationship with Jesus. We're, we don't want to just be the church that just comes and greets each other on a Sunday morning, but then our lives look completely separated from what Jesus calls us to be and to do. I feel that. I feel that longing inside of myself, and I feel like I feel it inside of you. And here's what I know. I know that that world is looking for that as well. I know that our culture, if you just take a step back and look at the things that our culture is pursuing after, if you just take a step back and look at the things that our world is pursuing after, at the heart of that, they're looking for something genuine. And we have that, right? We have that in our relationship with Jesus. The question is whether we're going to put that on display for the world, whether we're actually going to first become these disciples so that then we can go out and make more of these disciples. And so with that being said, as we look at this year, as we look at 2020. We look at what lays before us, right? It's the first Sunday in 2020. We look about, we look at, at what the opportunity for this year is, right? I feel like last year, 2019, I feel like we did a really good job of answering the question, why? Why should I be a follower of Jesus, right? And maybe even answering the question, what a follower of Jesus is, right? You guys right there, just hit it, nail on, right? Like you guys got it, right? You didn't say that it's just about coming to church on Sunday. It's not about doing these religious practices, right? But you're like a disciple of Jesus is someone who actually goes and follows him, who puts him in charge of their life, right? And they're following after him. And so I feel like we've answered those questions really well last year, right? It's obvious by, by what you just told me in your, in your discussion time. And this year, though, I want to focus on the question, how? How do we actually do that, Right? Because I believe, in my heart of hearts, I believe that, that for, for many of us, that's where the breakdown happens. For many of us, it's not that we don't want to be disciples. It's just, honestly, we don't know how to do it. And unfortunately, I think we've created a culture, with, even within the church walls, right, where it's almost an embarrassment to ask, how do I actually read my Bible and get something out of it? How do I, how do I pray and not just feel like I'm talking to the wall or... How do, I, how do I do these things that I know Jesus is calling me to do, right? And we've almost created a culture where it's almost an embarrassment to ask those questions. We've almost created a place within the walls of the church, right, where someone comes to put their faith in Jesus Christ, and then just immediately we expect them to be walking the way that Jesus walked. But we don't ever teach them how to do that, right? And this is actually a really, really modern phenomenon that's happened. Historically in the church, Right? Historically in the church, up until about the last hundred years, right? learning how to follow Jesus, discipleship, apprenticeship to Jesus, was the starting point for a believer. It was the starting point. And so in church history, you hear phrases like uh, Christian disciplines or spiritual disciplines, spiritual formations. Right? Up until about the last hundred years, those were the starting point for the church. Right? These spiritual disciplines or these spiritual formations are practices that we put into our lives to help us become more like Jesus, right? These are things that we see that Jesus did, and now we're doing those in our lives. And through that, it's going to help us grow into being more and more like Jesus, into being his disciples. And so I want to say first and foremost that for most of us, if you don't know how to follow Jesus, this is not a place to feel embarrassed or bad about that. We are in this together, right? Whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or whether you've been a Christian for five days, right? 
Like we may all, we may find out through our journey together over the next year that a lot of us may be in the exact same place as far as our walk with Jesus, our discipleship with Jesus, right? And I'm going to ask as the church that we just come in with a heart of humility in those moments, right? That we lay aside the, the front that we put on a lot of times, that we lay aside this, this idea that, man, when I come to church, I got to talk and act a certain way. And we can just be really honest and genuine with one another, right? And if you don't know something like, maybe just ask, I guarantee you there's somebody among us that's going to know how to do whatever it is that we're struggling with. That's going to be able to point you in that direction, right? And so I just, I, I hope this year that we can answer the question, how? How do we practically follow Jesus? And I'm going to make an intentional effort as the, as the leader, as the one that's leading this body, that, that we take the time this year to, to put down some, some really deep roots in learning how to follow Jesus right? I'll say this and we're going to move on. Um, I feel like for me in my walk with Jesus, the things that I struggle with the most, right? The things that are the hardest for me, the hardest for me the most are the things that are the simplest. The things that really as a Christian or as a follower of Jesus, we all know that we should be doing. Those very basic, simple, those are the things that I have the hardest time in my day-to-day life actually doing. But those are the things that will bring the most transformation in my walk with Jesus, right? And so that's what I want to, that's what I want us to, to start with this year, and so I don't want you to feel like, oh man, I should, we're talking about reading the Bible and praying and these things that like, these really elementary things. No, this is the life of following Jesus. This is the way of following Jesus are these very crucial foundational practices that we have. And so how do we become disciples of Jesus, right? That's the question, right, that we pose today. How do we become disciples of Jesus? And the way we do this is by practicing the way of Jesus in community, right? This is what we're going to be going after the beginning part of this year is by practicing the way of Jesus in community. So what does that, what does that mean? What do I mean by that? Well, first, let's look at the idea of practicing, right? I think this is huge for us. When we're asking the question, how do we do things? I think one of the reasons that we struggle so much is we don't ever practice these things. And so we just, like I said a few minutes ago, we become a follower of Jesus. We become a Christian, And then we just automatically expect that we're going to start living like him, but we don't ever start to practice and do the things that he did, right? To help us paint this in our minds a little bit better, I want you to imagine uh, an elementary, like a young kid, right? Uh, And this young kid uh, is a baseball fan. In fact, he's got a favorite baseball player, right? So somebody throw out a a baseball player because I don't really watch baseball anymore. Jackie Robinson. Jack. Okay, how about one that's today that's still alive (laughs) that they could emulate because that's going to be emulate. There may be some videos, but who's, who's anybody watch baseball? Is Albert anybody? Pohol, no. Who? Albert Pulhoss. Okay, you can pick the hardest name for me to try try to say like fifteen times. Albert Pulhoss. Pull pull Pulhoss. Close enough. AP, right? We'll call him AP, <laughs> right? And say that this say that this elementary kid, right? He just like he wants to be just like AP. He wants to do everything that he is right. He he watches his games, right? He goes out and he convinces his mommy and daddy to go out and buy him the exact outfit that AP wears, right? He gets the, 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 the cleats, he gets the helmet, he gets the, the baseball bat, right? In fact, he watches YouTube videos of AP in his practice. He watches videos of him in the baseball game, right? Now imagine that this little tyke shows up to his, his first Little League game, right? And he's up to the plate, right? And he's up there, and maybe he's even mimicking whatever AP does to kind of, you know, warm up or whatever he is before he gets there, Right? But in the moment of the game, right, when the ball is thrown, is that little guy going to be able to perform the same way that this professional athlete does? Of course not. Why? Because he hasn't practiced. He hasn't put in the time and the energy and the effort, right? That professional athlete has put in years and years of his life practicing, right? He's put in years and years of his life preparing his body and his mind to perform at a certain level, right? See, the professional prepares in moments outside of the game to be able to perform for the moments inside the game. It's the difference between preparation and effort at the moment of action. And I think what we do a lot of times, even in our following Jesus, is that we say, you know what, Um, I'm just going to, in that moment, I know Jesus says that I should be loving. And so just because I I know who Jesus is, in this moment, I'm just going to naturally be loving in that moment, right? But we don't ever practice that. We don't ever take, we don't ever put that into action in our life. We don't ever prepare for that. 
And so it's just like that little, that little kid in the moment of the game, we strike out, right? And we get frustrated. It's the same way in our, in our discipleship to Jesus, right? Jesus does the same thing. He, he wants us to prepare so that in those moments of life, when life hits us and things are crazy and Jesus says, you need to, to react this way, you need to love your enemy even when they're, when they're hateful to you, right? So that we can be prepared and that our hearts can be prepared in such a way that in the moment of the game that we're ready to act like Jesus. See, Jesus doesn't expect us to behave on the spot, but, but there should be just this natural overflow from these practices in our life. And the more and more we practice these things, the more and more that we spend time like reading our Bible and, and praying and, and all these other practices we're going to talk about, the more time we spend doing those things, the more natural those are going to become and they're just going to start to pour out of our lives so that in those moments of our life, right? In that frustrating moment, parents, right? When you feel like, you know what? The curtains are closed. No one would ever know what I did to this kid if I punted them across the room, right? In those moments of life when you just can't take it anymore, right? the natural overflow is going to be the love of Jesus, right? The natural overflow is going to be these practices that we have spent so much of our time investing in. And so apprenticeship to Jesus doesn't just happen on its own. It actually takes work and effort and energy, right? We need to be, Jesus wants us to be involved in our discipleship. He doesn't want us just to kind of sit casually by and just, that we would just miraculously be changed. But he wants us to be involved in that, Right? It's kind of like the idea if if you want to be financially independent, but you're not willing to do what it requires, you'll never get there. Right? Like say that you want to be in a place financially where you're not living in debt and you're not struggling financially, but yet you're not willing to make those sacrificial choices in the moments. Uh, and in the moments and outside of the moments, you're never going to achieve the financial independence that you want. Right? And Jesus, Jesus, our great teacher, our great rabbi, Right? He tells a story. He tells a parable about this. And I love this. I never caught this until, until the, last, the last couple of months. I've read this story. I've read this parable multiple times, but I've never caught this part um, in it. So this is found in Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 24 through 27. It's a very familiar story that Jesus shares, right? But he says, therefore, um, and this is the NIV translation because I like how they translate uh, the word that's in red right there. Uh, he says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into what? Practice, practice right? Um, the, the ESV says, anyone who hears these words of mine and does them. I really like this idea of putting them into practice. I think that really goes at the root of what Jesus is saying, right? But anyone who hears the words and then actually does them, the practice them, is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house Yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears the words of mine but doesn't put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sands. We know the story, right? The, the, winds, the rain came down and the streams rose. The winds blew and beat against the house and, great, uh, and it fell with a great crash, right? Um, if you guys remember back um, the last Sunday before, uh, before Christmas, Ross was teaching. Um, and he was giving us that, that picture of how they would build... Uh, houses and what that structure was, and this is kind of a lot of where this where this came from. This idea is that uh, where are you going to build your house at, right? Um, and in 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 first century Jerusalem, right, uh, the sand would get very very hard. In fact, it was almost like cement because it was so dry there, right? And it was really really hard. In fact, you could even build your foundation on that sand. It was hard enough to hold up the foundation of your house, right? And, and if, honestly, if, if the rain, if no rain ever came, then it was a perfectly fine foundation, right? It was a great foundation. Um, it was, it was fast. It was easy, right? It saved a lot of time. It saved a lot of money just to build your foundation on the rock. The other way you could do that was that you would have to dig down through the cement, right? And it would take a lot of effort and energy and time to dig down through this hard, hard sand. But if you dug down far enough, you would hit the bedrock, right? I think that's like that connection there. You would hit the, the rock that was underneath, right? You would, you, would, you would get to that rock, and then if you built your foundation on that rock, right, that was the most secure that you could build a house, right? But again, it was going to take more time. It was going to cost more money, right, because of all the effort. And Jesus gives us this picture, right, that, that these practices, if, if, if we put Jesus' uh, practice, if we do what Jesus did, 
we put that into the practice, we're going to be like the wise man. Yes, it's going to take effort. It's going to take energy. It's going to take practice for us to get to this place, right? I don't want to lie to you. It's going to take some work to get here. But when the storms of life come, right, in those moments of the game, when everything is beating against us, right, our foundation is going to be secure because it's in Jesus. Um, and, and I feel like in our, in our culture, in our world today, we, we've somehow gotten really scared to talk about lifestyle change or putting work into following Jesus, right? And I know where that can kind of go to its end is that that's what it's all about. And that's not at all what Jesus is talking about. That's not at all what we're talking about. This is not your salvation, right? Your salvation is not based on what you do. That's already secured by the grace of Jesus, right? But we're talking about our discipleship, the way we follow Jesus, our lifestyle. And it's going to take work to get to this place. It's going to take practice and work for us to get to this place. In fact, Paul speaks about the work and the effort that it would take. Uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 7, he says, Had nothing to do with irrelevant or silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness, right? Prepare yourself. Practice that so that in the moment you know how to withstand these other things. Prepare yourself. Train yourself. Or in 1 Timothy 4, 15, he says, Practice these things, right? These things of God. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress, right? There's an idea of practice and effort and energy. He says in Philippians chapter 4, he says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, right? These things that you've seen, how I've been following Jesus. Now practice these things and the peace of God will be with you, right? Put these things into your life. Do them. It's going to take energy. It's going to take work, but it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth the alternative, right, of building our house on the sand, right? And in our culture, I think what that looks like is just kind of putting on this label of Christian, but yet our lives are never changed, right? Like we show up to certain circles and we say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but yet when the, when the, when the winds and the storms of life hit, right, we just crumble at our foundation. So let me just, let me just encourage our church that, that let us put these things into practice this year, right? Let us, as we come together as the church, let's practice, right? That was the first part is practice. Practice what? The way of Jesus, right? The way of Jesus, Right, I love um, I love a, a story that I recently heard. Um, how many of you guys know who Stan Lee is? I know our front row definitely knows who he is. Uh, we got some. Okay, so we got some Stan Lee fans, right? Um, so Stan Lee was the guy. Uh, he was kind of in in charge for many many years um, of of Marvel, coming up with all of these incredible stories that we love. Right, he's he's the one who is responsible for creating some of the most popular superheroes um, of our day. And uh, back in 1984, he was interviewed by E.T. Um, and one of the questions they asked him was, they said, what is the formula, right? What is the formula that has made you so successful in this world, right? This, this, this place. Because there was, even back then in 84, there was no lack of, of ideas for, for superheroes and movies and things like that. And they said, like, Stanley, what has made you so successful? He says this. He says, the whole formula, if there was one, I think was to say, let's assume that somebody could really walk walls like Spider-Man or turn green and become a monster like Hulk. That's a given. We'll accept that. But accepting that, what would that person be like in the real world if he really existed? Wouldn't he still have to worry about making a living or, or people disrupting him or having acne or dandruff, right? Um, or his girlfriend jilting him what are the real-world problems uh, that he would have? I think that's what make, makes the books so popular. As I thought about that, as I thought about that quote from Stan Lee about, about what it is that's made his story set apart, is that, that, that he tried to live them like they were actually real people, right? And what I know is that we have an example of, of God who came down to earth to live a real life, Right? And I think it's the, the human side of Jesus, right? He's completely divine, completely human. But that human side of Jesus and seeing how he lived his life while he was on this earth brings great encouragement um, and brings really great practical help for me when I'm trying to live like Jesus in this world, right? I love what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. He says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but one who in every respect was tempted as we are yet without sin. 
and said, let us then draw with, uh, with confidence, let us draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need, right? I love the fact that we have a Messiah that, we actually, that actually came to the earth and lived, and we can see from his life how he lived. We can see those moments when Jesus was challenged, and those trials and those temptations and those struggles that he went through, right? And that then becomes the blueprint for us as we live our lives, right? The way of following Jesus is simply just doing what Jesus did, right? Looking at his life and seeing what he did and then putting those things into our lives. It's incredible when you start to actually look at the gospel stories in the life of Jesus. You start to see these things that Jesus did over and over again. Like when people would would question him about things, how he would just respond with scripture, right? It was obvious that, that being in the word of God was was important to Jesus. These moments, I'm reading in Mark myself, and there's these moments when Jesus does all of these miraculous things, and all these crowds come around and just kind of overwhelm him at times. And almost every time, Jesus retreats away to a quiet place just to be with the Father. Right? There's these moments when, when Jesus is kind of at the top, and, and instead, of, instead of him kind of making it all about him, right, he just kind of, exits the scene and, and kind of goes into this this simple simplicity of living and i think if that's how my my messiah my master the one that i'm following if that's how he lived then that's the way that i want to live right mm-hmm. uh, and it's more than just it's more than just a, a sunday morning thing right it's a way of life in fact jesus multiple times when he was on earth referred to himself as the way right the way the truth the life he says, those that want to find life are going to enter through a hard way. There's, there's a way. In fact, so much so that even the early church was called the way, right? I love that picture, right? That's what they were called. They were called the way because their life was not about them, but it was about following this Jesus of Nazareth. I love that story. And so Jesus, um, as he came to earth and he lived his life, right, he was a rabbi. He was a teacher, Right in first century Jerusalem, we've talked about this last year, um, and as part of that, he would have disciples. He would call followers. You read about that earlier today, um, and so if you guys would just allow me, I know we've talked about this a little bit before. I just want to kind of do a refresher um, on this, what this process looked right, looked like. Um, but in Jesus's time and in his culture, right, if you were a rabbi, you would call to your students, you'd call your followers, right, and there was a phrase for that. It was called a ta- talmudim, right. That was, those were your disciples. They were your followers, right, in the first century. They were your apprentices. And this wasn't just exclusive to the Jewish system. In fact, this, this had already happened in Greece um, before this. Um, but it was something that had been adopted in the Jewish culture. And so the rabbis would, would have these disciples, these followers, right? And there was a process in which they would, they would have those. Uh, we've talked about this real quick. So let me just give you a really short kind of breakdown of this because it's all building to a point. The first level, right, so, so all little boys and girls uh, from the age of four or five all the way up to 12, right, they would go to the first level of training, right, which was called Beth Safer, which means the house of the book. And it was really like a grade school. And what they would use as their, as their text is they would memorize the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, right? So think about that for a second, right? By 12, they had memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, I mean, Numbers, really? Numbers? Any of you that struggle with math, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? They memorized those by the age of 12. Maybe that's why we have so many problems today, I don't know, right? But they, that was the goal, was that by 12 they would memorize the first five books of the Old Testament Scripture, right? And at 12, those that were the best of the best, right? Those that could memorize the first five books would move on to the next level. And this was called Bet Talmud. It's called the House of Learning. And this was uh, from 12 to, to 15 to, to 18 maybe. And in this time, they would go on to memorize the rest of what we call the Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets, right? So think about that. And at this point, most, most of them dropped off. Most of them couldn't hack it. Most of them couldn't make the cut. But those exceptional students, 
that, that could memorize that and, and were really excelling in that, right? They would go on to become a Talmudim of a rabbi, right? There was a process. They would be interviewed. The rabbi would, would grill them on scripture and knowledge. And if you made the cut, right, the rabbi would say something like, come follow me. And they would become the Talmudim. And from the age of 15, 18, something like that, all the way up to about 30, they would follow that rabbi. They would go everywhere the rabbi went, right? They would, in fact, we even get from history that there, there, some of these Talmudim would even follow the rabbi. They took it to the extreme. They would even follow him into the restroom. Like They wanted to know how the rabbi did everything, right? They went into his house. They lived with him. They spent time. They saw every aspect, right? Because their goal was to be like that rabbi. They wanted to, to become just like that rabbi. And for them... Right? For those apprentices, for those that would, would, would become followers, there was really kind of three goals for the apprentice. Um, and these are the three goals that I want to see us as a church chase after over this next year. Okay? And here's what they are. Goal number one was to be with their rabbi. And so for us, our goal is to be with Jesus. Right? That Talmudim, right, as, as they would come and follow the rabbi, they would spend time with him. They spent a lot of time with the rabbi. And so for us, before we can ever move any further in our discipleship with Jesus, before we can move any further in our following Jesus, like, we got to spend time with him, right? I know this may sound crazy, but, like, we actually have to love Jesus and want to spend time with him, right? We're never going to become these disciples and these disciple makers if we don't first enjoy spending time with Jesus, right? Like, that's such a big part of the Christian life, of the, of the life of the disciple, Right? In fact, there was a, there was a Jewish uh, blessing that went something like this. They, they, would, they would pronounce this blessing over a Talmi, uh, Talmudim. They say uh, to, that you may be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Right? That you may be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And the picture was this. As they walked along the desert, right, and they were following that rabbi along wherever he went, right, the dust from his feet would pick up off of his feet and they would get transferred onto his, on his disciples. Right? And so the picture is that there is a, the blessed life is that you would follow so closely to your master, to your rabbi, that the dust from his feet would then fall on you. Right? And that's, that's my blessing. That's my hope for us is that we would follow Jesus this year so closely that the dust, as we are following him, that we would be covered in his dust. That we would start to, to just want to spend time and, and, and moments of our day with him. Dallas Willard speaks to this as well, um, and I love what he says. Um, he says, the first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. And think about that for a second, right? The most important, the most basic, but the first thing we must do in our discipleship is to always keep God in our minds, always to be thinking about him. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls, our part in thus practicing the presence of God. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But I love that phrase, the presence of God, practicing being in the presence of God, is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to Him. In the early times of our practicing, uh, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habit of dwelling on things less than God. But these are habits, not the law of gravity, and they can be broken. A new graceful habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps toward keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. I love this last phrase. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings. Right? If God is our ultimate goal in life, is to follow Jesus. Right? If he becomes the thing that we want most out of this life, if we continue to do that, if we continue to think about him, we continue to practice that and to live lives that are honoring to him and following him then eventually he's going to become that pole star he's going to be the thing that our hearts are always going to want to run back to and so first the the apprentice must be with jesus right they must spend time with jesus but the second goal not only to be with him but to become like their rabbi and so for us the goal then is to become like jesus and this happens through what we call the disciplines or the practices right this is this is about allowing Jesus 
to, to change our lives and we start to look more and more like him. The goal of that apprentice, of that Talmudin, was to become a carbon copy of the rabbi. And that should be our goal, is that our lives should look just like Jesus' life, right? We're allowing Jesus to come and to form us, and we are to be the clay, and he is to be the potter that, that forms us into what he wants us to be, right? So the question is, for all of us, who or what are we being formed into? We're all being formed by something, right? Even if you're just casually sitting by on the side of life, not doing anything, you're being formed by something culture, relationships, friendships, we're all being formed, we're all being changed by something, right? And my hope is that this year that Jesus would become what we are being changed by. Because we start to put these practices into, into place, right? And we're going to hang out here for a while this year. I'm just going to tell you, we're going to spend some, some good amount of time looking at some of these practices. So what are these practices I'm talking about, right? These are things like scripture reading, prayer, fasting, rest, for some of us, that's a practice we need to take. Our lives are so jammed full of things that we can't even think about putting Jesus in there. Silence, solitude, serving, generosity, and community. These are all things we're going to take time to look at over, this, over, this, um, over the next couple of months. right? And we're going to allow these things to, to then change us into who Jesus wants us to be. right? And then the third and final goal, right, after we have... Uh, been with Jesus after we starting to become like Jesus, right? The, f- the final goal then of an apprentice was to do what that rabbi did. And so for us, it's to do what we see Jesus did, right? And what does Jesus do? Well, he goes out and he calls disciples, right? That's the third step, is that at some point after we have first learned to be disciples, then we're going to go out and we're going to make more disciples. We're going to go out and share what Jesus has done in our lives with the whole world around us, Right? Whatever, whatever circles that you have in your life, whatever group of friends you have in your life, you're going to now take Jesus and bring him into those circles. Right? That's the goal. But again, remember, if we don't have that in ourselves, we can never take that to our circle, to our group of friends, to those people that Jesus has put in our life. And so the goal is that first we be with Jesus, second we become like Jesus, and third we start to do what Jesus did. And Jesus went out and preached the good news and brought people to himself and that's that's our goal right that's our goal right the disciplines these disciplines we're going to talk about they're not the end in and of themselves right they're the means through which we become more like jesus right we if we're not careful we can make it all about that and we can say you know what yes we've checked i've read my bible today i've prayed today i have uh, been really generous to people today i have even had some some moments of rest today so i've done a good job Right? It's not about checking things off the list. It's about who we are becoming. Right? And ultimately that leads us up to living out the life of Jesus. So last discussion question we have for this morning. Um, and then I got two other quick things I want to cover before we wrap up. Um, first question is, is uh, first the discussion question. Um, of those three goals of a disciple, which of those do you feel like are going to be the hardest for you? Which of those do you feel like you need to put the most intentional effort into? Uh, for some of us, it may just be, you know what, I, I just need to spend some time with Jesus. Like, I'm, I'm really struggling, like, to just actually put that time in. Or maybe for some of us, it's like, okay, yeah, I, I'm with Jesus, but, like, I don't see a whole lot of Jesus in me, and so I really need to work on this. Or maybe it's, I just need to start doing what Jesus did. I need to start actually sharing the gospel. Uh, so which of those do you feel like in your life is going to be the most challenging? Uh, or maybe the area that you need to put the most intentional work into? So let's take a minute, talk about that, and then we'll come back and wrap up real quick. Uh, a couple things that are important for us to know and a couple things that are important for us to, to bring with us maybe that would be helpful. Um, and so I want to cover those real quick, and then we're going to wrap up for today. Um, first, is, uh, first thing is um, to know is that um, I want us to know that this will take time. Okay, Becoming like Jesus doesn't happen overnight. Um, some of us that have been following Jesus for many, many years can testify to that, right? This is a process. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifelong process. So let me encourage you, like, 
as you get there, don't get frustrated and just throw your hands up, right? Don't let it become one of those New Year's resolutions that it's the second week of January and you've already quit your gym membership and all of those <laughs> goals that you had, right? Don't do that with our discipleship to Jesus, right? It's going to take time, but if we continue to invest our lives in this, we're going to start to see our lives transform uh, in ways of following Jesus. Um, second, just along with that, I just want to just make sure that we all know this is not necessarily always going to be easy. Right? The more we start to follow Jesus, the more he's going to reveal things about us and things inside of us that we may not like. Right? I think for all of us, if we're honest, like there's still some ugly corners of our lives that's going to take some work. And we may not like what we find, but if we go there with Jesus, he's going to walk us through that. Third, I want to say that this may be different for everybody based on your phase of life and your maturity in Christ. Right? If you're a brand new follower of Jesus... This may be a different experience than if you have been following Jesus for 20 or 30 years, right? But no matter where we're at on that, on that place, right, I think we're all going to be able to grow closer and closer to Jesus and in our discipleship with Jesus. Um, but I just want to say that may look different. So if you have a friend here, hopefully we all have friends, right? But you have a friend here that's coming with you or that you're sitting beside and, and maybe they're in a different place than you or maybe as we're talking about a certain practice and you're just like, you know, I got that, I'm good. There may be setting, somebody sitting beside you that that's exactly where they need to be at. So this is going to be different, right? And, and through this process, God may say, you know what? You need to lean in a little bit more to this. You need to spend a little bit more time focusing on your prayer life or on your time reading the word or, 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 or getting the, the busyness out of your life or whatever it may be that we're going to be looking at, okay? Uh, fourth and probably the most important, right, is that we can do this together, right? And that's the, the last part of that is that um, it becomes a practice of the way of Jesus in community, right? The Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. It was never meant to be an, us to be on an island, right? Even though Jesus would be with us in that moment, we were supposed to do this in community. And so that's why it's so important for us to gather together as we journey through this. Um, as we become disciples of Jesus, it's so important that we invest and that we spend time together. It's important while we get plugged into something like a life group, a smaller group of people, when, when you can invest and have some accountability on these things, right? Even for our life groups, as we go through, we're going to actually be able to practice these things together. That's what I'm really excited about, is that we'll talk about it, big group on Sunday morning, and then when you go into a, a smaller life group, we're actually going to get to practice these things with other people. And I think there's going to be a lot of encouragement when we do that. And so that's what I want you to know as we get started with this new series. Secondly, a couple things that may be helpful for you in this process. One, bring your Bible or your Bible app now, right? So you got you got kind of two options there. Um, but bring your Bible. We're, we're, we want to be about that. We want to be spending time in that. So bring that with you. Secondly, though, as I would say, bring a journal or in a pen, or or at the very least, like if you have a have like a digital notebook. So if you have like a something uh, app on your phone to, to take notes, like have one place that you can write down all these things that you're learning, all these things that you're growing and experiencing together. Because I think this is going to be, my hope is that this isn't something we just do for a few months as a church. I hope this is going to be something that's going to be transformational in our lives and that throughout our lives we can go back in moments and look at these things that we've learned together and maybe maybe sharpen up on some of these things or maybe practice some of these things. Um, there's a couple of books if you want some more information uh, as we talk about these spiritual, as we talk about these disciplines and, and things. There's uh, Dallas Willard wrote a book called The Spirit of the Disciplines, which is a really important book on answering the question, why? Why do we need to have these disciplines, these spiritual disciplines? That's kind of what he, where he writes about. Um, but then the second book, Richard Foster, uh, there's a book called The Celebration of the Disciplines. And this is really the how-to. And so as we get into things, um, and so maybe we're talking about prayer, and you want to know specifically more about how to do a certain type of prayer, there's certain things in prayer that you want to know more about, um, that's a great resource. He actually goes in and will list like multiple different types of prayers for different circumstances, situations, um, and different types of prayers, different types of, of scripture reading and things like that. So that's just a helpful resource. And then finally, bring a friend. Like, like bring somebody with you to journey through this together. Um, and, and I really mean that, right? We, we want to, to be a place that we can bring in other people. And so if you have somebody who maybe doesn't have a church home, uh, aren't connected somewhere, bring them with you and learn together, grow together. Okay? And so every week, what we're going to do is we're going to have a practice of the week. Okay? This is going to be, from, from whatever we talk about on Sunday, this is going to be something we go out that week and we practice. We actually do the work and we start to see some things change in our life. Right? So this week, 
what our practice is, is I want us at some point this week to read the Sermon on the Mount. This is Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. So whether you want to sit down one afternoon and just kind of read that whole thing all at one time, whether you want to break that up and maybe read half a chapter for the next six days, um, however you want to break that up and read that, right? Because the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus talking about what it looks like to truly be a follower. When you've got to that place of following Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount is a picture of what that looks like. And so at some point this week, I want us to all read through this together, and I want us to ask the question, are we all in for this? Are we all in on following the way of Jesus? Because here's what I know. If we're not 100% in on this, we're never going to get to that place we want to be. Um, and, so, and so the practice this week is to go through and to read that um, and then to ask that question, okay? Um, let's see. Last thing, um, and again, this is just a, a resource to you, uh, an encouragement to you. Um, we are, I, I was trying to think through how can I help us remember to do this, right? How can I help us to remember to, to do these practices? What can be a reminder for us? And I thought about getting like bracelets and I was like, well, that's already kind of been done. And I started thinking like, what is something that we interact with? Most of us interact with every single day, right? Multiple times in a day. In fact, we, over 2000 times, we're touching these things every day, right? We're always getting on our phone. We're always doing that. So for most of us, again, it's not for everybody, but this may be helpful for some of us. If you have a phone that's able to do this, um, I created just a little basic wallpaper that just kind of has our series graphic on it. Um, and so maybe for you that might be helpful to put that as the background of your phone. Like I've already made it the background of my phone, right? So whenever I pull my phone up, I see this little graphic and it reminds me to think about, man, okay, what am I practicing this week? What am I trying to do this week, right? And I know that probably more than anything, unfortunately, better or worse, my phone is what I spend the most time uh, interacting with a lot of times. And so I have that set on there. So, if we go back to the text, if that's something that you would like, if you sign up for the, the text announcements, um, this afternoon or in the morning, I'm going to send out uh, a text with an attachment with the file on there that you can download and change the background on your phone to that if you want that. Um, also, if you sign up for the text messaging, um, I'm also going to, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday this week, send out a reminder about reading through the Sermon on the Mount. Because for me, I need that reminder. I need, I need that accountability. I need that just, oh yeah, I forgot to do that. I need to do that, right? Um, and so that's on there as well. So I just want to kind of let you know all of that uh, for today. And so, all of that being said, I know there was a lot. Today was the intro to get into that. Every week will not be this much stuff. I know we're, we're like squeaking way past our normal meeting time together today. Um, but with all of that being said today, um, really the question for us is, are we ready, right, as a church to be and to make disciples? But first, are we ready to be those followers of Jesus that he's called us to be? So I'm going to pray and close this out, and then Ross and Holly are going to lead us um, in one last song together, uh, and then feel free to hang out. We don't have to tear down today, praise the Lord. Um, and all his people said amen, amen. right? Um, so feel free if we need to hang out for a little bit, um, drink some more coffee, whatever, um, after that. So, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this chance to come together. Um, God, truly, truly excited to see what you're going to do in and through the life of this church. Um, God, in and through the lives of each person here. God, I know that if, if we will invest our lives in you, in these practices, in, these, in becoming more and more like Jesus, God, that this world is going to be transformed that's the hope. That's the hope that you tell us, Lord, and we're holding on to that. Pray for each one of us this morning, God, that we would count the cost. As Jesus says, if, if you would be his follower, if you would follow after him, count the cost, right? It's going to be about denying ourselves and taking up that cross. And I pray this week, Lord, that we would count that cost. God, I, find, I pray that if we find that the cost is worth it in the end, and I believe that it is, that we would be all in for following you. God, that we would put all that we have into following you this year. God, unlike any other time in our life, we would just invest deeply, deeply in becoming the people that you want us to be. And through it, God, it wouldn't be just about us, but the world, God, that we would go out and we make disciples and this world would know who you are and know the story of your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.